0: Today on The Topping Show, Tucker Carlson's first Twitter episode hits 140 million views in one day, Bud Light is no longer America's number one beer, two Alabama-based companies reach the Fortune 500, Google partners with the Mayo Clinic, Salesforce to pay employees to come back to work, GameStop fires CEO, and Little Mermaid suffers death by a six-pack ring holder. A box office flop. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of the Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder release twice today. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner and need assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have GameStop CEO Fired. And you have Ryan Cohen to become the new CEO. Now, the previous CEO, Matt Furlong, was hired in 2021 in an attempt to increase sales. And for the first time in many, many quarters, they did post a fiscal profit. However, that was mainly due to them dramatically cutting costs and basically cutting off entire parts of the company. So a lot less warehouses, so a lot less inventory. So the stock went up a couple months ago because they did hit that profit, but overall, they've been outlook not so good, as Magic Eight Ball might say. Now, their stock crashed seventeen percent at the news that the CEO is being fired. Now it's down to twenty-one dollars fifty-two cents per share. Now, Ryan Cohen is a billionaire investor, most famously known for founding the company Chewy.com, which is actually a dog food and accessories website, which was subsequently bought out by I believe Petmart or Petsco, one of those companies, for about three billion dollars. So he has a successful track record of building businesses and really making them profitable and then he had a subsequently good exit plan now cohen has already been instrumental in gamestop's evolution in a number of changes now included a few things such as including the coming on to the board of directors back in believe 2021 and he hired multiple executives from amazon and chewy to try to bring in some new leadership and even coming in as board directors he was subsequently promoted to the chairman following the annual shareholders meeting so time shall tell us he's able now that he's in even more control as a ceo can he turn around gamestop which for many years has been on an overall downtrend i know thanks to the wall street bets and the had the fiscal and fiscal as well as the stock market phenomenon of The meme stocks where they quite literally spiked up to unprecedented amounts, partially because people were betting against the company to be successful. But again, they need to work on their concept as a business because if you look at GameStop historically, ever since they've been founded, um, the biggest source of their profits come from used video games. You might remember selling your Nintendo 64 Super Mario Brothers for about $3 back in the day. I'd have to lie if I'm not say a little bitter about that to this day. Nevertheless, they buy the game for used, cheap because, you know, you are getting cash now or store credit. Then they subsequently sell it for a profit. That's their most profitable part of the business. Their biggest issue right now in the past couple of years is the internet and technology. More and more video game sales are not only going direct, as in people are directly buying it from the publisher of the video game, but They're also just downloading them directly onto their Xbox or their PlayStation. And if you're doing that, in terms of the customer advocate and I would never do that partially because you can't resell that. It's downloaded to your exact video game platform and I believe PlayStation is actually locked to your specific account. So if you sell your PlayStation to someone on Craigslist or Facebook or wherever people sell stuff these days, they wouldn't get that video game. So that video game lives and dies to that initial purchase. That trend is only increasing as more and more video game sales go digital. And if the most profitable part of your business is wavering away, you really need to pivot and do some dramatic changes. There's a lot of people speculating that they should start sponsoring and hosting e-sports, which is the phenomenon where people consider video games a sport, a topic and a debate in and of itself. But time shall tell to see, can Ryan Cohen really truly turn around that Texas-based icon of a video game company, or rather video game reseller? Now other interesting business news you have Salesforce offering to pay people to come back to the office. Now Salesforce is by and large the most popular CRM or customer relationship management software. Think of any traditional sales job where you have a long sales cycle where the sales and just you go to the GameStop and buy a game that's, you know, minutes for that sale. We're talking about a lot of business-to-business business sales where like for my company topping technologies, we might work on projects for 6 months or a year and we might have other projects, you know, even more, more further out. And those officers help you organize all those notes and many businesses find them extremely helpful. And the free market has rewarded them with high stock market, high sales, year-over-year growth. But they're trying to think of how to get people back in the office. So their latest idea is to pay employees, well, donate $10 every day they come to the office from June 12th to June 23rd. So every time an employee goes to the office, it's gonna be a $10 to that employee to donate to a charity of his or her choosing. And the goal for Salesforce is to raise $2.5 million as part of the initiative. Surprisingly enough, well, not too surprisingly enough, there's a lot of belly aching over this idea. Pretty much every article on LinkedIn is people crying about, oh, they just, you get to certain points where nothing's ever good enough for some people. Now, there are benefits to Salesforce fiscally as well as, I guess, politically in terms of environmental, and I, when I say environment, I mean social and cultural. But, so they do get a tax break, because obviously it is a donation, but I see it as a win-win, because some of the people at Salesforce want people to come back to the headquarters. There are many business reasons for that beyond just micromanagement. A lot of these companies negotiate with cities and municipalities saying, hey, we're gonna move our headquarters to the city. We're not gonna pay property tax for X amount of years, but if you give us that benefit, We're going to bring 7,000 employees every day to that office. That is going to help fuel your local sales tax because at lunch, most of those employees are going to go around to local businesses and establishments and fuel the local economy. There's very much a domino effect or a ripple effect when you're talking about these global headquarters and how they can have a profound positive impact on many local municipalities and communities. So that's another reason a lot of these CEOs are trying to think of how can we maybe incentivize people to come back to the office. There's also the argument of camaraderie, career progression is a big thing. But a lot of people on LinkedIn are just complaining and saying, hey, you just cut, they did decrease their headcount to save about a billion dollars, which is not in no way unique. Most tech companies are doing that as a lot of them are trying to cut costs because of the economic uncertainty in the United States. You have 40 year hyperinflation. But from a business idea, I think it's a pretty good idea because they get a tax write off. The employees get to choose what charity they get to support. So if that person is inclined to believe in charity, that might be a good incentive for them to come back to the office. And of course, they're still getting paid their salaries and the commissions, whatever their usual pay structure is as well. So it'll be interesting to see if this is a big hit, if they knock it out of the park, or if their employees reject it completely. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting businesses in the tech field you have Google partnering with Mayo Clinic, which, hilariously enough, has nothing to do with the gelatinous fat or lard that is mayo that you eat at the store. It's one of the most renowned, respected medical facilities in the United States. Some might say the globe. Now, this is an attempt to expand their generative AI in healthcare. Now in healthcare, the technology in theory should allow workers to interpret data such as patents medical records, imaging records, geomedics, or labs more quickly with simple query. Now, in terms of technology, this is a part of the medical field where you could have a profoundly positive impact with AI analytics and just more and more computer compute power, so to say, interpreting results from a lot of these scans where the doctors are determining where should we in particular just anecdotally my family experiences when you're talking about you know how can we effectively put radiation in the body in the body to target these tumors to target these malicious things growing in the body a computer could much probably much more accurately predict where to pinpoint those initial bursts of radiation there are a lot of ways where technology could help in this area because of course, just like in IT, a lot of things are because of the human error. When I come across that, it's usually due to, from IT security, but it is also interpretation of these charts as well. Now, Google also expanded, saying that the Mail Clinic is testing their Enterprise Search on Generative AI App Builder. That some must have got paid per word for that, for that title of that widget. Now, they introduced them previously on Tuesday this week, the tool will effectively let clients create their own chatbots using Google's technology to score mounds of disparate internal data as well. So, as we see the proliferation of technology, include exponentially expanding medical care. Hopefully, we'll see more and more of these positive results where we're we'll able to increase the healthcare and the experience to the end user. Time shall tell to see how this affects Google and the male Clinic's relationship and how that particular clinic benefits. Other interesting businesses, you have two Alabama-based companies making the Fortune 500, which in terms of the entrepreneurial business, is one of the, is a very big achievement in the United States. It, it's a huge landmark or milestone in the business success. Now, both headquarters of the companies are in Birmingham. Now, the two companies are Regions Financial and Vulcan Materials. Regions Financial has over 20,000 employees and $7.5 billion in yearly revenue, while Vulcan Materials has a, little under twelve thousand 000 employees in 7.3 billion in revenue the threshold to make a fortune 500 this year was $7.5, 7.2 billion dollars which is about 13 percent more from last year and fascinatingly enough in total fortune 500 companies represent two-thirds of the u.s gross domestic gross domestic product also known as gdp with 18 trillion in revenues which is up 13 percent. now profits along these companies were down 15 percent from 2021 the second time in the past three years, it saw decline, which is another hilarious counterpoint to a lot of people who are complaining about quote, quote, big businesses being greedy. And the most hilarious thing was the US Treasury blaming Kroger for increasing the cost of groceries and saying that they're greedy, which again, Janet Yellen is as wise as she is beautiful, but just look at any, again, most of these are publicly traded companies. You can look at their 10K and their financial reports. The industry of groceries, the average profit margin, 2%. Which, so scare the that's why you don't see a lot of startups in grocery chains. The only way you make it is with massive volume. So you make a little bit of money, but massive volume. Then you can actually maintain, grow, and develop a business. Basically, the McDonald's model. And of course, Kroger wasn't increasing their prices exponentially. They're just trying to keep up with inflation and their cost. So I'm not too surprised that some of these Fortune 500s are starting have decreased their profits as some of them are trying to push back on their components and their suppliers when they make products because they know there is a certain price point of products where the consumer will no longer purchase them. And it's different with every industry, with every product, but there are certain thresholds that will not pass. The only exception being Apple when they come out with a $3,500 VR headset and those nerd goggles. That's that's list price. You have to pay sales tax, so slap on another 8.25% for at least for Texas. Then of course you have Apple care so that's a couple hundred bucks. That's about four grand to slap some goggles on your head. And it's one of those things I debate how much real advantages there are from a business use case. There are some applications I'm sure I know aerospace companies like Lockheed Martin, they have some great technologies where they actually use the VR headsets to incorporate different digital models for components for things that they manufacture but on average, it would be fascinating to see what percentage of people utilizing the Apple glasses, whatever they call it, what percentage of those is actually productive. Time shall tell, but outlook not so good, as the Magic 8-Ball might say. Mm-hmm. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Tucker Carlson launching his daily Twitter show, and it hits one point, or no, actually 104.8 million views in one day. And... I should clarify, I'm not sure if this is a daily show, but it is his new platform he's building upon. Formerly, he's one of the most, actually, I was going to say one of the most, he was the most prominent reporter on Fox News until they moronically shot themselves in the foot and got rid of him. And his daily audience when he was on Fox News, traditional cable network, was nowhere near that number. Now, this video, again, within one day, 104.8 million views. It also helped out that Elon Musk actually tweeted it as well to support it. It already has 820 hearts, or likes, or whatever the kids call the little thing, and 255 retweets. His followers on Twitter has now increased to 8.1 million, which is an astonishing amount of followers. Friendly reminder, I'm on Twitter at NIC Topping. Some bastard took the at Topping, hasn't used it in five years, but I digress, at Topping. Now, this first episode was about 10 minutes long, and... One of the reasons I appreciate Tucker is because he actually gives alternatives to the traditional media which all you might have a different face and a different suit on Fox News but a lot of the personalities they might be a little different but the core opinions and ideals are very much more often than not the same when you look at their competitors it makes for a very boring end user experience which is why I really greatly appreciate other alternatives such as Tim KS IRL you got Ben Shapiro Matt Wallace you're all vastly more interesting than anything you'll see on cnn though i still lost their website just because again you want to know what everyone is thinking so let's play a little bit of tucker's first episode
1: hey it's tucker carlson this morning it looks like somebody blew up the kakovka dam in southern ukraine the rushing wall of water wiped out entire villages destroyed a critical hydropower plant, and as of tonight puts the largest nuclear reactor in europe in danger of melting down so if this was intentional it was not a military tactic it was an act of terrorism the question is who did it well let's see the Kakhovka dam was effectively russian it was built by the russian government and it currently sits in russian controlled territory the dam's reservoir supplies water to crimea which has been for the last 240 years home of the russian black sea
0: now every other media outlet immediately blamed russia for this and again we've had false flags since the dawn of time and i'm always skeptical especially as the leaker who actually revealed the documents about the us involvement in the ukraine as well as how well the ukraine is doing and as well as their offensive which again all the media outlets told us it was a completely defensive position with the ukraine they were not going into russia or affecting the russian civilian population now we're seeing more and more stories contradict that initial statements from again every news outlet said it.
1: Fleet blowing up the dam may be bad for Ukraine, but it hurts Russia more. And for precisely that reason, the Ukrainian government has considered destroying it. In December, the Washington Post quoted a Ukrainian general.
0: Kind of reminds me of the Nord Stream pipeline. When people ask, "Oh yeah, it has to be Russia," and someone asked uh, Biden, he kind of just chuckled. He goes, "Oh no, that that pipeline that pipeline won't be there. It won't be a problem." Which, again, saying the quiet part out loud.
1: ...saying his men had fired American-made rockets at the dam's floodgate as a test strike. So really, once the facts start coming in, it becomes much less of a mystery what might have happened to the dam. Any fair person would conclude that the Ukrainians probably blew it up, just as you would assume they blew up Nord Stream, the Russian natural gas pipeline, last fall. And in fact, the Ukrainians did do that, as we now know.
0: Again, at the time, Every, every single news outlet, they all said the same cliché thing. It was almost as if the writers were so lazy, they just copy-paste every single one. And it's a phenomenon you actually see on Twitter where a lot of the personalities will have to say the same bloody thing. And it always makes me raise my eyebrow and wonder how many of these people are actually individuals thinking for themselves. Or if they're just a bot, or if they're just someone who goes with the flow.
1: It's not like Vladimir Putin is anxious to wage war on himself. Oh, but that's where you're wrong, Mr. and Mrs. Cable News Consumer. (laughs) Vladimir Putin is exactly that sort of man, the sort of man who'd shoot himself to death in order to annoy you. We know this from the American media, which wasted Mm -hmm. no time this morning in accusing the Russians of Of sabotaging their own infrastructure. Of course. Bill Kristol, the man who once told us that Saddam Hussein was responsible for 9-11, immediately denounced Putin as a war criminal and even more savagely compared him to Donald Trump. The rest of the pundit class made similar, clearly coordinated noises. Putin did it! Putin did it! And their reasoning was simple. Putin is evil, and evil people do evil things purely for the dark joy of being evil. In this specific case...
0: It's one of those things where also, never underestimate thy enemy. It's a proverb, or perhaps more appropriately, an age-old saying that someone much more smarter than me said a long, long time ago. But never just think your enemy is stupid, whether it's political, business, philosophical. Always assume they're smarter than you think. Never underestimate them, because that's, of course, when you lose.
1: Putin attacked himself, which is the most evil thing you can do, and therefore perfectly in character for a man that evil. That was their explanation. No one who's paid to cover these things seemed to entertain even the possibility it could have been the Ukrainians who did it, no chance of that. Ukraine, as you may have heard.
0: Very true. Again, I've checked most major media outlets. I haven't seen that opinion once.
1: Is led by a man called Zelensky. And we can say for a dead certain fact that he was not involved. He couldn't have been. Zelensky is too decent for terrorism. Now, you see him on television. and It's true you might form a different impression. Sweaty and rat-like. A comedian turned oligarch. A persecutor of Christians.
0: A persecutor of Christians fashion as well if you're going to go to another country's government and ask for billions of dollars as a wise barney m- once said in how i met your mother suit up ted suit up Zelensky. i and again we've given them over 100 billion dollars and he showed up in a sweater i know that's his brand but there's a time and place to suit up i would say everywhere but that's just my three cents
1: a friend of BlackRock but don't believe your own eyes. Actually, Mr. Zelensky is a very good man. The best, really. As George W. Bush once noted, he is our generation's Winston Churchill. Of all the people in the world, our shifty, dead-eyed Ukrainian friend in the tracksuit is uniquely incapable of blowing up a dam.
0: He's expanded. I thought he only had a sweater, now he's a tracksuit. He's evolving, some might say.
1: He's literally a living saint, a man in whom there is no sin.
0: It is fascinating. More Americans seem to be flying the Ukrainian flag versus the United States flag. In fact, that seems to be the flag that has flown the least. You have political flags for other countries as well as political ideology in the United States. It's almost becoming a collectible if you see an American flag. The only exception being those who pretend to care about patriotism around the 4th of July. Well, I would say you should care about it the whole year, but that's just me.
1: That's why Lindsey Graham is so attracted to him. They're just two good people hanging out together and being good. And like all good people, when they meet in person, they spend a lot of time talking about killing people and laughing like friends do. Here's the pair last week.
0: This it's is creepy. Free or
1: die? die. Now you're free. Yes. And we, we will be. And the Russians are dying. It's so the best that's money we've ever spent. Thank you so much. That
0: was. That's the best money Lindsey Graham the United States government has ever spent? to kill russians that's the best money really i mean not only is that morally vacuous because of course there are civilian casualties as well but it's not even an roi i mean the united states has invested in much better things throughout history rush i mean probably one of the most famous things being the gps and the jeep both started off as government programs and subsequently benefited the civilian populations I mean, thanks to them, we all know how to spot a Jeep. And they're usually, you know, lifted twelve feet off the ground and they usually stay on pavement, but once a year you see one off-roading as well.
1: Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent, Graham says.
0: So it goes on for about ten minutes, but that three minutes was more different than every other media outlet that I've seen over a year. Cause again, no one is allowing a alternative perspective especially on the mainstream media, which is yet another reason I think they're decreasing popularity because it's like diet news. It's not really news. It's just, I believe a wise man once said primetime propaganda. Just, again, left, right. It all seems about the same on the cable network and the news box, but that's just my three cents. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light no longer America's number one beer. All because they chose a spokesperson who has an average audience age of 15 years old. And that person, as you all know, is Dylan Mulvaney, posted, I believe, two pictures and a video with the product. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, but in this case, it's worth about $26 billion in lost market revenue for their stock, and of course subsequent loss lots of sales. Now, specifically, Modelo is now number one. Now, some people are criticizing it, saying Modelo is owned by InBev, The US entity is not. Very interesting nuance. So Anheuser-Busch InBev, which is a new, I was just saying new, a couple years ago, um, you have European-based InBev buying out American-based Anheuser-Busch, creating the new company InBev. Anheuser-Busch, InBev, AB InBev. Now, they owned a bulk of Modelo's special makers. They actually owned the parent company, which is Grupo Modelo in 2013. But in order for the United States regulars to allow the merging of Anheuser-Busch and ImbEv, they said that the company would have to spin off the U.S. entity of Modelo. The U.S. Modelo brand was spun off to Constellation Brands in that bid. So some people are saying it's still the same company. In the United States, it is not. And these sales figures are for the United States. So they have literally destroyed their brand for that particular product. I know they have a large portfolio. In about two months, that's all it took. And three pictures. And the cultural pushback was so unprecedented hard, many are thinking the brand will never recover. Subsequently, in terms of my anecdotal experience over in the great land of Texas, I've actually taken a Sharpie mark, and I am a rebel without a cause, I actually put a dot and a date on the cases of Bud Light when I go weekly for my groceries, and I couldn't help but notice week after, it was about two weeks in a row, is the same boxes still there, which is the biggest loser in terms of retail product moving. most valuable land on the planet, some joke in retail, is Walmart. Because they have the foot traffic to demand premium prices from all the vendors, they get the best discounts, and they need to push products. Because again, McDonald's model, They make a little bit of money over a large amount of resources, a large amount of sales. The quantity and the aggregate make a good profit to grow, sustain the company. Now, specifically talking about Modelo and the numbers now, their store sales for Modelo topped $333 million in the past four weeks ending May 28th. That is 15.6% increase compared to the same time last year. On the contrast, Bud Light, over the same time period, this year their sales are 297 million dollars so they've been knocked off the top that's still a lot of sales i wish my it company had that sales. someday we will but it's going to just decrease more and more the question is when will it bottom out i don't know we'll see if it will in my in, in my experience in the past few months i've seen one person purchase a case of bud light and the person did get some funny looks at the gas station but that's the one time i've seen someone lift up a case of bud light and i did politely ask them like did they know about the controversy and it turns out the person knew about the general controversy but they didn't know that the average user of Dare of uh, dylan's user base was 15 years old that was a little bit of a shocker to that individual and i asked the gas station rep like you know what do you see these moving the most and he told me that in terms of brands of beer that was the slowest one. Again, one gas station location for that conversation of a manager at a gas station. I'll keep it unnamed so they don't get any trouble with their distributors or Bud Light. But it is interesting to see all this anecdotal evidence start to add up. Now, sub- interestingly enough, Dylan Mulvaney doesn't care that Dylan destroyed the brand. Specifically, when he was being you know during the interview, he said Dylan said. I prefer not to name any of those people because it gives them the satisfaction of believing they're on my mind and it shows my followers that I'm standing for myself, but also pushes that narrative is loud to matter when asked about, unquote, when asked about how do you feel that Bud Light's bleeding revenue. And interestingly enough, since then, Dylan has not done any ad reads on TikTok, which is how Dylan makes a lot of the income. You pitch a product and people buy it. Dylan's broken FTC law, actually, by selling items on TikTok and not marking them as ads. There's a reason every one of these videos, I have to click that disclaimer saying that it is a promotion in this video, because my tech company helps support this, because otherwise it can be a complete fiscal loss. The tech company helps offset the cost of the videos production, all that, via advertising. And the FTC has ruled if you're advertising a product, you have to clearly have it labeled. And so it takes less than a second to click that checkbox. By the way, if you need AIT help or sales, sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, Dylan expanded saying, I don't regret any, any of the thing I posted, but I wanna make sure my transition is for me. It's kind of like redefining a relationship when it gets too personal or hands-on. It can be hard to scale back, unquote. Now, this is from the person who quite literally documented everything that they've done for over a year, as every, those viral videos, again, it was every video just day one, day three, day four of being um, being a woman. It's how Dylan rose to fame and become, I believe, over 11 million followers on the TikTok. It was a social, cultural phenomenon. But it's interesting to see some of these brands starting to distance themselves from the controversy of advertising towards kids. Especially products like alcohol, where, again, in the United States, if you're 15, you cannot buy beer. It would, even if you twenty 21, it wouldn't be reckoned by Bud Light, unless you don't have taste buds. Nevertheless, it's one of those things where it's against the law to actually buy those products as a child. So, logically, I don't know why the brand would advertise to someone who's, again, average age demographic, is someone who cannot buy the product. Fascinating business decision. We'll see how far they drop down in sales overall as time goes on. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Chinese citizens wanting to block a bill... That would deny them from being able to purchase land in the united states now specifically there's a new law being set set to go forth in florida bill called flsb 264 23r again i think politics would be a lot more entertaining if there are actually names you can remember it's one of the things that annoys me about bmw who the heck knows what model it is it's three different numbers and letters just name it a just name it like a model give it a name but I understand marketing is a precarious, interesting thing and it builds the brand more loyalty to the brand and not so much the model of the car. But nevertheless, politics needs to get better at their marketing and advertising, that's my point. But specifically, this bill labels foreign countries of concern or people, citizens of them as not being able to purchase land. Those countries being China, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Russia, Syria, Venezuela. Now, some people are saying this is unfair No, it is precisely fair. If you look up the law in China, American citizens are not allowed to purchase or own land. But now you have not only Chinese people, but Chinese corporations buying more land than you could possibly fathom. We're talking thousands of acres. How does that make any sense to the U.S. natural sovereignty or the actual U.S. preserving our land security concerns? That makes zero sense. Now, this is not stopping them from renouncing their Chinese citizenship. But again, Americans can't go over there and buy land. It seems like this big balance of, throughout history, the U.S. is just, they're on the loser end of the stick with so many of these deals. Perhaps because politicians get paid off, or perhaps because they're just comatose and too lazy to care. Or maybe a little bit of both. I tend to be pretty precarious or skeptical of any politician do any good. I'm sure there's a couple, like I count them on my, on my hand. But... interesting to see they're starting to push back from a legal perspective it'll be interesting to see what basis they use but again there could be ulterior note there could be a lot of ulterior motives of chinese corporations and citizens purchasing land in the united states time shall tell to see if they're able to block the bill or where the law from going into effect but it'll be interesting now Going on to the business blunder of the day, you have the Little Mermaid death by six pack ring moved now to flop. Which is another interesting, I have no idea what you call that little rings that come with a six pack of beer that people buy. But for a long while, people would cry because they apparently would choke turtles and animals. And I don't know what the actual evidence is for percentage wise, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence. Nevertheless, the box office announced analysts of several different websites are saying it's gonna be a complete flop. Now. The past week's box office dropped 58%, which is unprecedentedly bad. If you look at most things that are considered to be blockbusters, and I guess pun someone intended because I had the sign behind me, but you wanna have at least sustain the first a couple sales weeks, or possibly grow if there's a holiday or something even like that. I mean, probably one of the best examples being one of the Fast and Furious movies, which basically print money. They have a big opening and they sustain those sales for quite some time. And they're quite literally a billion dollar franchise. Like one movie made a billion dollars. It's fascinating. But it dropped 58% domestically. So they only made $14.6 million. I say only because, again, you have to talk about the to- relative to the total cost of production advertising of the movie. Now, they grossed $95.5 million in the. In, during the three-day opening on Memorial Weekend. That's not great. So the total domestic box office is $186.2 million, with the international box office coming in at $140 million. So globally, again, I'm no mathematician, but it comes out in at about $326.7 million in revenue for the movie. Now, the budget, again, just to make the movie, was $250 million Most, that's a conservative estimate, it costs them 250 million. Now, keep in mind, that's to produce the movie. That's not to get the movie out there. When it comes to that, advertising is key. If you look at the cost of this laptop on my desk, the cost of materials might be around, I don't know, maybe two grand. But if you ask, you know, manufacturer, how much did it actually cost? Well, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising every year, and that cost has to be allocated somewhere. Now, with movies, it's quite easy to actually put an analysis on that because it's advertising for one movie this is you know the main laptop brands now the rule of thumb traditionally with movies is you spend about two times production on advertising so that means in order for this movie to break even they need to make a little bit more than 500 million dollars now remember when I said their global gross came in at 327 326.7 million that's revenue. And again, that's box office. Companies like Cinemark, AMC, those theaters get a cut of that. That's how that's part of the reasons they stay in business. So not all that money goes back to Disney. And again, most analysts say movies make about 70% of their total box office in the first two weeks. And if this follows that same traditional a- analyst, it's just, it's not going to make it. So it's a big flop. Despite more marketing than I could possibly imagine, I've seen that stupid thing everywhere. And again, I'm not their core demographic, so their marketing clearly isn't effective. I don't have kids. I don't watch Disney films. Bizarre to say the least. Definitely not a good use of marketing dollars. But it's fascinating to see a lot of people, they're trying to blame it on racism. Because, like pretty much every Netflix film and Disney film, they did switch the races from white with red hair to African American. Or black or whatever there's many terms um i don't know which one's in i try to re- always be respectful but i don't know which term is the flavor of the week so to say but they did swap the race of the actress in the film for the main role um ariel whatever that thing's called the uh, little fish person but everyone's saying if you don't watch it you're racist but black panther again lead male actor african-american made over 800 million dollars globally in box office that was hugely profitable and a brilliant business move because it was a new superhero which superheroes kind of hard to predict and to build a new superhero there's a lot of trial error so that's a huge fiscal success 800 million dollars globally they knocked it out of the park and then again with that film they knocked it out of the park with merchandising i actually saw black panther car kits like tools for your car with the black panther logo slapped on so these companies make a lot of money with licensing through all the not only just toys but that's tools as well so they made a lot of money on that end as well now disney does make some money off the toys i haven't seen a lot of those toys when i'm going to the uh, big box mart i didn't see a lot of them throughout the aisles maybe they're delayed but usually they try to keep in sequence where they come out pretty close to the movie debuted so as much as they say it's about race. I I think it's because they changed the songs. Making a live action movie live action film is kind of a crapshoot going from again, from a animated film to live action. There are some that it out of the park and maybe I think Super Mario, I say over one point three billion dollars. And that was a live movie at that or no, that wasn't, but actually wait, no, 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 The live the one with John and Leguizamos, the live action one I believe it was the nineties, that flopped completely. There are less, there are some that knock it out of the park and make more money than you could possibly fathom. So I think it's because, again, they changed, they even changed the original songs that, so Nostalgia is huge for these movies. If you're going to that movie and you have those songs that you grew up with as a kid that you love and they just butcher those songs, remove them, and introduce new songs, if you don't keep enough of the original stuff, those consumers aren't going to be happy with the product. So I think it had to do with that, and Live adaptation is kind of a crapshoot and again some people some people are just concerned that the race swapping is one way i haven't seen it the other some people might might not have appreciated that part of the movie but in terms of a business blunder disney again they're bleeding money in terms of the ceo bob iger he actually wants to cut billions of dollars in production cost and content cost so to have at a time where you're looking to cut costs everywhere for a division or for the movies to lose money and again they, ha- they are a multi billion dollar company. This will not put them out of business. They can afford to mess up like, time and time again. They own a lot of intellectual property. Pretty much everything that makes kids happy is in their Disney vault of all the intellectual property they own. So they can put that on Disney Plus, a streaming platform, which subsequently will help them grow and develop that platform exponentially. But to lose so much money on movie where they, every single news outlet, every LinkedIn article, everyone pushed as hard as they could saying this movie is great everyone should see it and it completely flopped that that's the business blunder of the day thank you so much for taking the time to tune in again don't forget to like subscribe and comment and greatly helps out the channel also really appreciate the feedback also don't forget to tell your family tell your friends tell your co-workers heck tell your enemies tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight